Okay, here we go. Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. And a couple things for schedule real quickly. For those who want to see this live, the, we'll be at the Gervasios on Sunday. And two more weeks outside. And then November 1st, uh, November 1st, we're going to be at St. Martin's School. St. Martin's School. And we're going to be meeting there 10 o'clock Sunday mornings. Thank you so much to St. Martin's for opening the doors for us. Birthdays, a couple quick birthdays in case you won't be there Sunday. Denise Coker, birthday. Megan Wilson, birthday. Uh, Peggy Ramsey, 90 years old. I don't usually give away ages, but that's you. You're probably all shocked. What? She looks 80, you know, 78 or something, right? Amazing. Uh, 90 years old. Couple anniversaries. Brian and Patty Shield anniversary, and also Paul and Joy Vanderbilt uh, anniversary. Couple of anniversaries there. Okay. So the title for today is Revival. Fake or for real? Revival, fake or for real? Second Kings 6, 30 to 31. And I have my little farm helper here because we went on a farm trip last week. I was away, Nate preached, you know. And we were at the farm. I took the four youngest ones, the four littles. The older three just played with their friend, the cousins all the time. I didn't see much of them. But Laurel helped me look for a fossil. She's my new fossil buddy, right? And we, fi- we find lots of good fossils. See, my parents' farm used to be under Lake Ontario. It, now the lake has received seated seven miles, so now their farm is, uh, is, is a farm there. It receded seven miles a long time ago. Climate change. We won't go there. All right, thousand years ago. <clears throat> uh, so there's lots of these cool fossils. We find some fossils, a lot of fossils with shells. Okay, let's show them this one. See, hold that one. See all the shells on this one? I'll hold it a little closer so you can see it. Lots of shells. Okay, you can break open rocks and find shells. And then if you break open other rocks, you can find some really cool things. Go ahead, Laurel. Take, Laurel painted this one with her uh, chalk go ahead pull that one off pull that one off pull the top off like you know and so you can see where she has has done lots of coloring on it but you can you see the it's like some kind of crazy shell or lichen or something big big one thank you laurels did them but we also brought home in addition to all these fossils that we have and all we also brought home some new two very unique fossils two unique fossils i'm going to switch over to this lap okay baby okay now and this is we found the fish right you found the fish and <laughs> and a dinosaur found a fish and a dinosaur go ahead, push the buttons go ahead. wow amazing huh a fish and a dinosaur she found right <laughs> okay okay Okay, thank you for helping me. I'm going to let Laurel go with her little fossils here. Wait, wait, I'm going to get, I'm all tangled up now. Hold on. Okay, go underneath there. Thank you, Laurel, for helping me find fossils. Oh, <laughs> I'm all tangled up. Okay, here, you got it? We'll lose our microphone. Go ahead, sit, go ahead, put, go down. Okay, you got it, okay? Here you go. And take these with you. Take your fossils, okay? Thank you very much. Okay, so... Uh, can you uh, shut that door too, Laurel? Can you shut the door? Thank you. Uh, so, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Those are fake, not the rocks. You know, you, you can all see the, the real fossils, right? All right? Not those, but, but these are fake. And you, some of you are probably thinking, those are fake. And you're right. How do you know they're fake? How do you know? Because they, they're doing things that a real fossil couldn't do or, or shouldn't do, right? That's how you, you know that those are fake. We're going to see, we have the real fossils, fake fossils, but we're going to see 
a repentance and revival in Second Kings six today. Let's see if we can figure out if it's real or fake, and we're going to connect some dots to the USA today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict us now and speak to us now through your word. And I pray that we would be for real. And if anybody here is never, who's listening to this has never put their faith in you for real, that this would be the day that they truly become a, a, a real Christian. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. All right. What's a quick review as we get ready to read our couple verses today. There's a terrible famine. God has sent a terrible famine to Israel because of their apostasy, because they're worshiping idols, because they've fallen away from the one true God, because their king is, is leading the nation down a, a terrible path. And God has used his prophets, especially Elisha, to try to call them back again. But he sent a terrible famine. It's his discipline for the national sin, warning them that judgment is coming if they don't repent. The famine is so bad that they're actually eating their children, eating babies and their children. It's horrible. If you didn't hear the one a couple weeks ago, listen to that one, the famine, the coming famine. But let's pick it up, the next couple verses here. 2 Kings 6, 2 Kings 6, verse 30. When the king heard the woman's words, he tore his robes. As he went along the wall, the people looked, and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. He said, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if the head of Elisha, son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. Interesting. So the king tears his royal robes, right? And underneath he had on sackcloth, <clears throat> which is a sign of repentance. That's what they would wear, sackcloth, put ashes on their head, sackcloth on their body. And it was a sign of repentance, sign of fasting, a sign of prayer. But it wasn't real repentance. This was not real repentance. How do we know? Well, we know from the rest of the Bible here, the, li the life of this king, we know that he never stopped worshiping his idols. We know that. He had never stopped worshiping the idols, so it wasn't real. But the easy proof, the biggest proof, the most obvious proof, are his very next words that show that he wasn't really repentant, that he didn't have a real revival going. What does he say? I'm going to cut off Elisha's head. That is not a good sign, all right? That is not a picture of someone who's repenting before God. You want to cut off God's prophet's head, right? Uh, and you hear the saying, an apple doesn't fall far from, from the tree. Well, his father Ahab also wanted to kill Elijah, remember? Wanted to kill Elijah before his drought that he was in the middle of. He, he, he was blaming Elijah for the drought. This is called projection. It's when you have guilt and you project it on somebody else. We're seeing a lot of that today in the USA, aren't we? You, you figure it out. Anyway, uh, here he is. He's, these kings, father, son, blaming Elijah, and now Elisha is crazy. That's like going to the doctor, smoking for 50 years, going to the doctor, and the doctor says, uh-oh, you have lung cancer, and blaming the doctor. It's your fault. <laughs> That's what that would be like. It's crazy. You see, this shows that the king's repentance was fake. It was fake. Elisha wasn't fooled. <laughs> and neither, we'll see that next week. Elisha wasn't fooled, and God sure wasn't. God's not fooled, you know, by, by fake, by fake re repentance or fake revival. His repentance was only skin deep, or we should say shirt deep. <laughs> it only went as far as his shirt. It didn't touch his heart. It had the sackcloth on, but it didn't go past the skin. It didn't hit his heart. He needed a spiritual heart 
catheterization. That's what he, he needed. The king's revival was fake. He tore his clothes, but not, his, what really needed tearing was his heart. That's what Joel is talking about in Joel chapter two, verse twelve, where it says, "Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts, rend your heart, and not your garments." Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and He relents from sending calamity. Rend your heart and not your garments. And that's that is the key here. It was only outward; it wasn't his heart. It was a foxhole conversion. You've heard of foxhole conversions? Guys in the foxhole, they're fighting in the war, and they turn to God, and I'm going to give my life to you, God, and I'm going to live for you. And as soon as they get home, boop disappear they, you know no more god uh jailhouse religion jailhouse religion oh boy in my ministry with people in jail boy when they're in jail they are all on fire for god and and doing bible studies and praying and all this stuff and as soon as they get out i don't know ya i don't know ya <laughs> they don't know me. They don't want to talk to me anymore. They don't know God anymore. They don't care. And not, not all. There's, there's, you know, one in ten. But so many, it's jailhouse religion. They only follow God till they get out of the jail, and then they, then that's the end of it, right? This was a pretend revival. A pretend revival. Jeremiah three ten says, Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but only in pretense. Judah did not. Re- God says Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but only in pretense. Jeremiah three ten. It was a pretend. You're talking about pretend revivals. It wasn't real. What's the difference between a real revival and a fake revival? What's the difference? What's the difference? Fruit. Fruit. What? What is what? Not words, but actions. James one twenty two. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Right. Uh, John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, you obey what I command. Jesus says, if you love me, you obey what I command. Now, do you just say some prayer? You claim you love me, but are you living out God's word? Are you obeying the commands of God, God's law, God's word, the Jesus commands? Are you obeying them? That is the proof. I think of fake. Revivals, and I think of 9/11. Remember 9/11 when that happened. Church, I just remember people piled into the church. All the churches, churches were full, and everybody's like, "Wow, is this going to be a revival?" But what I noticed is that there wasn't a repentance before God. It was a God bless America repentance, not a re- revival. A God bless America revival, not not God. What are you trying to tell us? Revival, and sure enough, it lasted for three months. It took three months before everybody. Quit coming to church nationally. Every the statistics show it was a three-month-long bump in the road. That's all it was, and and we didn't change, and we've gotten worse and worse, and now we see where we're going now. Twenty, I remember twenty-five years ago there were several big revivals. One was up in Canada, and one was down in Florida, and they were saying this is it. These are the big revivals. God is moving in a powerful way, and going to change the country, sweep the country, and all this stuff. And and I remember thinking. I hoped it was going to happen, but I remember saying to everybody, let's see if it impacts the church. And then that church impact impacts the country. Let's see if it goes outside of these revival centers and really hits the church and the country. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. It, it wasn't that that it didn't didn't go any further. And so that is the key is the fruit. The fruit of repentance, the fruit of the revival, and God uses here in Second Kings six. He uses this intense famine in Second Kings to expose 
the king's heart, what was really in his heart, to expose his faith, which was fake, fake faith, his re- pretend repentance. God is exposing lots of fakes today, lots of fake faith, lots of fake Christians say people that we thought were for sure Christians, church leaders, and and even Christian celebrities, and and even people we know, friends and relatives we know that we thought were really Christians, but now we know that they're probably not, or if they are, they're carnal, worldly Christians at best. Uh, that's what we're seeing. A couple of cases and points, some obvious ones. There's this whole big new movement, billboards, and and and. and uh, Christianity Today, which is, we won't, I'm not even going to go there. But, you know, these, these evangelical pro-lifers for Biden. <laughs> evangelical pro-lifers for Biden. Uh, you talk about an oxymoron. You talk about morons. An oxymoron. That's like saying I'm a, a Christian pro-Israel. I'm Christian pro-Jew for Hitler. That's like what that's like saying. I'm pro-Jew, Christian pro-Jew, but I but I'm going to vote for Hitler this time. Babylon B hit it out of the park when they Babylon B. If you don't follow the Babylon B, you're missing out. But they hit it out of the park. They came up with a pro-life evangelicals from Moloch. <laughs> sacrificing the babies to, to Moloch. That's what that's like saying. It, 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 it's insane. Now, I'm not saying you should vote for Trump. Now, follow me. I'm not saying you should vote for Trump, but at least you could could, not should, but could vote for him because of his pro-life position and his pro-Israel position and his fighting against persecution of Christians all over the world and his vice president, Vice President Pence, who's a very strong Christian. So I'm not saying you should, but at least you could because of those positions. But I am saying that no real Christian would vote for Biden. No real Christian would you. I'm not saying you should vote for Trump, but you could vote for him. But no true Christian would vote for Biden because of his abortion stance alone. Forget all the other crazy stances, anti-Christ stances, anti-biblical stances. But because of his abortion stance alone is enough to disqualify any Christian from voting for this guy. And this is, I hear people say to me all the time, yeah, but that's just one issue. That's just one issue. So I say to them, well, Christian... Christians, I say, well, what if it was slavery? What if Joe Biden supported slavery? Would you still support him? Oh, no, no, I never would. And I say, yeah, by the way, you probably would have. You would have. But, but, so you're, but what I say is, you're saying that slavery disqualifies him, but not the murdering of babies. Is that what you're telling me? It's crazy. Talk about oxymoron. It's crazy. Spiritual blindness. When someone tells me that they're voting for Biden and his wicked abortion position, I, you have just told me that you are not a real Christian. You're not a real Christian. Or if you are, that at, at best, you have been totally conformed to the world. Romans 12, 2. You've been conformed to the world and you have also been taken captive by Satan to do his will. You are part of the 94% of, of people in the USA that don't have a biblical worldview. You've been taken captive by Satan to do as well. You're going to vote for abortion. That's what you're doing. Uh, and and you're, 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 Or if you're a millennial, you're part of the 98% that has been brainwashed by the world. You don't have a biblical worldview. When, when Christians say to me, how can you vote for this immoral Trump? I say, you mean just like Biden? Immoral Trump who's just like Biden? Tell me they're different morally. 
Please tell me that. I, I, listen, I say, I don't care about Trump. I don't care about him. I care about the million babies a year that are being butchered. That's what I care about. And let's not forget that 40% of them are black babies. You talk about racism. Unbelievable. 400,000 that are, are black. And, and I, I don't care about Trump. I care about those babies. I care about our country that I know that God is going to have to judge us Terribly, terrible judgment if we don't repent soon. That's who I care about. That's who I care about. God is showing who's for real today. And he's using lots of lightning rods. He's using abortion. He's using homosexuality and gay marriage. He's using Trump and Biden. He's showing, he's separating the wheat from the weeds. That's what we're seeing, the wheat from the weeds. What are you? What are you? What are you? We can't say we are Christians and then act in a way that is diametrically opposed to God's Word. We can't do that. That's what the king was doing. He's got sackcloth on and he's fasting and praying, but he's still worshiping his idols. God's not fooled. God knows. And, and instead of repenting, he's mad at God in his heart and he wants to take it out on God's servant, Elisha. That's what he's trying to do. He can't get to God. He's taking it out on Elisha. He's really angry at God. When, <clears throat> listen, when an individual or a church or a nation is disobeying God's words, worship and prayer mean nothing. <laughs> Who cares? God said, away from me with the, the noise of your harps. Away from me with your worship. Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. That's what means something. Think of coronavirus. Everybody, I've been hearing so many prayers. Most of the most of the prayers, ninety percent are. What are we praying for? Stop coronavirus, God! Please heal it and take it away. Uh, we want the consequences to disappear. Well, all along, we should have been praying. We're hearing it more and more now. We're starting to see a movement. We're, all along, we should have been praying for God to show us what He's trying to tell us. What, to show us the spiritual virus that He's trying to eradicate in our lives, in our churches, in our country. That's what we should be praying for. God, why have you sent this? What spiritual virus are you trying to eradicate? You see, repentance is the key. Repentance is the first step to healing for us as individuals, for the church, which is a mess, for our country, which is falling under judgment. We may have already crossed the line of grace. I don't know. But, but it's the first step to, 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 to healing. And it's also the first step to salvation. It's intimately connected. It's not just believe, but like you heard a couple weeks ago, my son Matthew did a thing on repentance and faith it, and it's it, it's connected completely connected repentance is the first step connected with faith jesus his very first sermon his very first sermon the very first thing he preached on in mark 1 very first words he says the kingdom of god is the time is coming he said that mark 115 the time is coming he said the kingdom of god is near repent and believe the good news get that the time has come the kingdom of god is near repent and believe the good news. Connected. Repentance is the first step. It's the key. A very first. Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he was preaching, he's talking to King Agrippa, and he tells them, he said, I preach that they should repent 
and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. He's talking about how he preached the gospel. And this is what he preached. He says, King Agrippa, this is what I've been preaching. You better listen, King Agrippa. He said, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. It's completely connected to salvation. Until we repent, we can't put our faith in Christ. It's completely connected. Until we repent, God can't move us forward in our sanctification. Until we repent, God can't heal our nation or heal our churches or heal us until we repent. Very, very important. This goes goes for sanctification and salvation. Sanctification and salvation. Think of the USA Today. About half of the country claims that they're born-again Christians, but only 6% have a biblical world view. That's a 44% separation there. Uh, A disconnect. You know, and what what does that mean? Probably forty four percent of them. Uh, you know, the vast majority of Christians, six percent, for uh, you know, eighty eight percent of Christians probably aren't really Christians. They think they are. They've been inoculated to the gospel. You know, inoculation, you get a shot and you don't have to worry about it anymore. They've been inoculated to the true gospel, to the truth faith. They said some kind of prayer. They've been listening to some TV preacher who said, just believe, you know. No, he doesn't talk about sin or repentance. And, And so they think they're okay, but they're not. And there's no biblical worldview. And the majority of those who think they're Christians in the USA today are not true Christians. It's impossible. It's impossible to say you believe in Jesus and follow Jesus and have a worldview that goes completely against God's word and against Jesus Christ. It's impossible. We see it all the time in our country. Unbelievable. Is your faith for real? Is your faith for real or have you just been inoculated? Inoculated. Has there been a a radical, dramatic change in life for the moment when you said, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I put my faith in him. Have you ever done that? First of all, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus' death and resurrection for you? Have you ever believed in him? The word for believe doesn't mean just know something in your head. It's deep in the Greek. It means to completely trust in, to, to give your life to. That's what the word means. Have you ever put your complete trust and given your life to Jesus Christ? Say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I turn away from that sin. I repent. I walk away. I put my faith in Jesus who died on that cross for me, who rose from the dead for me. I put my faith in him to give me a new life. Have you ever done that? If you've, if you've done that, has there been a change? This just shows if it really happened. Has there been a radical change in your life? You, you can't put your faith in Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit into you, and not have a dramatic, radical change in your life. I'm not saying it has to be all at once, but there has to be a progressive change, a a, a progressive sanctification. Salvation is instant, but sanctification is progressive. But there has to be a change. Year after year, there should be more of a change. There has to be if it's for real. I tell this story many, many times. When I was a kid, I'll never forget it. I was three, four, whatever I was. I had a pair of scissors and I stuck them into the electrical socket at the house. I'll never forget. I still remember where that socket was. And I wanted to see what would happen. I put the scissors into that socket. Wow, did I find out I was fried. You know, I was 
knocked over. And I remember my, I remember my mom, you know, coming in and screaming, what happened? What did you do? Well, she knew what I did. She knew I would have been electrocuted, right? But but how did she know? Because she could see, you know. I was, I was, you know, like, I was like deeply affected by the electricity. And that's what happens. If you plug into to the Holy Spirit, there has to be a dramatic change in our life that should to change the way that we live from that should change the way that we think to change the way that we act complete change are you for real or have you been just inoculated you can be for real today for sure and as a christian are we seeing that sanctification are are we getting stuck are we moving forward are we are we are we becoming worldly or carnal have we been taken captive by satan to do his will or, or are we? Is there the fruit of repentance, the fruit of revival in our life? Is there the fruit of the Holy Spirit? That's the real proof that someone is spirit filled. I know these people. Lots of people over the years have said to me, "Oh, you have to be spirit filled, spirit filled." And if you're not spirit filled, then you're not much of a Christian. And 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 I, I totally agree with that, by the way. But I, but a lot of these people who claim to have this special anointing and spirit filled. I don't see any signs of it in their life. I don't see any fruit in their life. I see bitterness and unforgiveness and, and conflict and, and, and pride and gossip, gossip, woo, uh, and all kinds of things in their life that, that make me think, well, if you are so you have this special anointing and filling and spirit filled, why? I'd be more impressed if there was the fruit of the Spirit. That's what impresses me. Not some experience you claim to have had, but is there the fruit of the Spirit? And I, I hope we all have an awesome experience with the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong. Love, love to have the Holy Spirit you know, just pour out on us in powerful ways. Love it. But, but you can't just say, oh, I've had that and not have the fruit. Listen to the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what shows that the Holy Spirit really is filling us, really is we're really walking in the Spirit. We're really being filled with the Spirit on a daily basis. That's the proof. Not some experience or not some theology you have, but it's, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that makes us, that shows that we are Spirit-filled. Is there, the, is there that fruit in our life? Is there the fruit of repentance and revival in our life? Can everybody see it? Even our families, even our enemies, do they see it? Only revival can save the USA today. We're in trouble. Only revival can save the USA today. It's either revival or judgment. I've been saying this for 30 years. Either revival or judgment. And I'm afraid we... I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know. But that only revival can save. But revival must start in the church. It can't. There cannot be any spiritual awakening in our country until there's a revival in the church. It has to start with the church. It has to. But first, there must be a revival in each one of our hearts. Each individual's hearts. There has to be a revival in our hearts. We have to rend our hearts, not our garments. We have to have a true revival, which then can go move into the church, which then can become a spiritual awakening in our country. Let's pray. How is God convicting us today? How is He convicting us at this very moment? As Christians, has there been a revival in our heart? 
Are we bringing that revival into the church and giving our country a chance for a spiritual awakening? Have we become carnal, worldly, as it talks about in 1 Corinthians? Have we, have we been conformed to the world, as it talks about in Romans 12.2? Have we fallen for Satan's lies? Have we, have we been taken captive to do his will? Have, has that happened in our life? How is the Holy Spirit convicting us of some area in our life right now that there has to be real repentance, real rending of our heart so that we can truly be sanctified, truly be Spirit-filled, truly be salt and light in this country. And while we're praying about that, I want to ask those who are not sure if they put their faith in Jesus. I'm not talking about saying some prayer. I'm saying, have you seen the, the, the electricity of the Holy Spirit dramatically change your life and your mind? And your mind and your heart. If not, odds are you prayed a prayer, you made a mental ascent, but you have not been born again. You have not been born again. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever truly believed and given your life to Jesus Christ? You can do that right now. Make sure of it. You can make sure of it right now. The prayer of faith, God, I repent I really repent of everything in my life. Every sin, everything in my life that goes against your word or your purpose for my life, I repent. And I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus, your one and only son Jesus. His death on that cross for me. His resurrection from the dead for me. I'm putting my faith in him. I give my life to Him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you have just received a brand new life. You now have the Holy Spirit really in you. And you have received a brand new life you are in for the adventure of your life. You can now know God's purpose, His peace, His power. I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've prayed that prayer of faith. You've given your life to Jesus Christ. Let somebody know. Maybe you have a family member or a friend who's a Christian. You, maybe you know a Christian's local good church that you could connect with. Maybe you don't have anybody. Then send me an email. nhcc at comcast.net Send me an email and I'll connect you and I'll be excited for you and help you grow and, and get you connected. Father, I pray for each one of us that we would really know revival. And no matter what happens in this country, that we, as your remnant, would know true revival. And I do hope that it does spread to our country. We pray for your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Okay, wait till you see what happens the next couple of weeks. Uh, some